I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about sling and stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like football. I like football season and all the things that go with it. Walker Little, 24th. We're live, apparently. Today, we just didn't have a countdown. So we Hi! Just, we just Welcome live. in to the PFF NFL podcast. Just looking up some Walker Little stats here on our way out. 24th percentile in the draft model. Might not be great. Smooth. Smooth. Smooth entry today. Did I miss a countdown? What happened? No, no, no. I, I don't think there was one this day. All right. It's preseason for everybody, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Week 16. We're just getting into the swing of it now. All right. We're, I mean, we're all off because I, you guys probably tuned in looking for It's Just Football. I mean, you were definitely like, hey, it's 11 a.m. It's just football's on. We said, nope. They took vacation for some reason. I don't know. But we're still working here. Yeah, yeah. PFF NFL podcast. So we're recording a little bit early here on YouTube. We've got to get the podcast out before we hit minus 35 temperatures, apparently. Yeah. I mean, it's no minus 59 that Chris had to play in back in 81. But No. No, it's about the same. It's about the same. So, uh, either way, I don't want to be outside in it. What are we doing here today? The, you know, the previews for the games. Week 16 previews. Let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. Great intro. Uh, Thursday Night Football, we never previewed it yesterday on Wednesday's show. So, mm -hmm. let's do it right now. Jacksonville Jaguars at the New York Jets. Yeah. Let's look for Jets by one and a half in yep. this game. It's coming up tonight. Um, full disclosure on my picks right now. Mm. New strategy. Harry's picking. Yeah, this has ruined mine because now I have to do it straight up. I can't just pick the opposite of what you're yeah. picking because Harry might actually at least do 500. So yeah. uh, Harry's, Harry, Harry's picks are in the documents. Who's how old? Seven. Yeah. Harry's mm -hmm. seven. He's got a pretty good handle on the league, though, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, certainly better than you with your yeah. record. So I think Harry's got a future. We'll see how he does with his picks. I, I'm rooting for him. I hope he goes. I can't tell if I'm rooting for him to go, yeah, have a great week or a terrible one. Because if he has a great week, I mean, it's funny. It's hilarious for the bit. But it kind of ruins your run. Like, I want to see it you would. crush the league by 25 games by the end of the season. You could still just, like, deduct Harry's wins or something if it's, if it's that egregious. Yeah. Maybe it ends up being just like a Palazzolo flaw. It's just our, our whole family. Genetic inability to pick. Yeah, could be. All right. So, um, pretty fun little Thursday night game. Top two picks from the 2021 NFL draft. You get Trevor Lawrence. You get Zach Wilson. Uh, Lawrence is getting all the hype, and rightfully so. Right? We push back. Back in week four, when people were asking, is Trevor Lawrence a top 10 quarterback right now? We said, no. Yeah. He's not. Now he is. But now he is. Now he's there. Trevor Lawrence has arrived. And this might sound a little crazy. Okay. But Zach Wilson, in his 60-ish grade last week, yeah. I was actually kind of encouraged by Zach Wilson. Stylistically, there was just a, you know more plays in rhythm. He, he just flat out missed a bunch of throws well, that while throwing in rhythm. Still made a couple bad decisions in there, but I was actually impressed with the progress, I think, for Zach Wilson last week. Last week is what Zach Wilson was supposed to look like for the first year and a half. And yeah. it hasn't, right? So it's a big step forward. It's still not good enough. Like, yeah, you can be encouraged because it's way better than it was when they benched his ass. On the other hand, it's still way behind where Trevor Lawrence is on the other side. So this game ends up being Trevor Lawrence, who is legit right now, and that therefore transforms Jacksonville and, you know, the whole team – 
versus the Jets, who are like a playoff caliber team, but might not have, well, don't have a playoff caliber quarterback right now with Zach Wilson and just hoping that either the rest of the team is good enough that they can overcome that deficiency or that Zach Wilson just hits the right end or the right side of the the balancing act between big plays and, you know, terrible plays. Yeah, so I th- either way, I think it's going it, to, it's always fun watching, to me, Zach Wilson's development because much like watching Lawrence and Fields, who we just did a PFF NFL Daily about the other day, you don't really know when it's going to hit, right? I mean, Zach Wilson's still a talented guy. Now, I don't think, looking at what we, we know now, I don't think he's as talented as Lawrence or Fields. I mean, we didn't realize, we thought Fields was a talented passer who's just out of his world, out of his mind right now as a runner. But he's also um, got the complicating factor of like having lost the locker room, effectively. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But he still went out there and was good for half the game the other day. Um, Anyway, there's just a lot of inconsistency with with, with Wilson. The point is, we didn't know when Trevor Lawrence, we didn't know when Justin Fields was going to break out. Can that happen with Wilson as well? Where things just kind of click, the light bulb goes on. So every single week, I'm intrigued to see if this is the week for Zach Wilson. Um, I think for Lawrence, not to take anything away from him, but this is probably his biggest challenge defensively. He's had an outstanding stretch of games. What we're talking about against the Raiders defense, the Chiefs, he did perform well against the Cowboys last week, but the Cowboys are replacing the starting corner, Kelvin Joseph, this week, or trying to as much as possible. They exploited a weakness there. Can Lawrence do this? Is this the best defense that Lawrence has had to you know, go up against in the last during his stretch here? Yeah, and also he's going to be without his starting left tackle. And with Cam Robinson out, Walker Little has looked terrible every time he's stepped on the field. So if that's as big a downgrade as it looks like it could be, that could be a major problem against what is still one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. All right, we got some questions about injuries. Let's check the uh, injury report. Quinnen Williams is, he's got a calf injury like everyone else. Full participant in Wednesday's practice. He's officially questionable for this game. Oh, I'm changing my pick as soon as I see weather. Zonovan Knight. This is a disaster. Bam, what? You checking the weather? I got, yeah, can you be the weather guy for this? There's injuries, there's weather this weekend. I can't just go the opposite of your pick. I actually have to choose who I think will win the game. Yeah, do it's, some work, Sam. Do so, some work. This game, it's 46 degrees, which is fine. 15-mile-an-hour winds, again, fine. Rain. There's no way Zach Wilson plays well in the rain. Moderate rain. Not a chance. Moderate rain. So they Jacksonville covers. That's where you're going with us? Yep. All right, Harry also takes Jacksonville. You and Harry in lockstep. He's a big Jaguars fan, so maybe he's a little influenced. You might also find Harry's a little influenced by the favorites because he knows who the better teams are. Mm. Doesn't completely understand the spread yet, but he said, you know, neither do I. So uh, (laughs) we've leaned favorites mostly, um, including in this game, but, like, for the wrong reason. Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. Eagle, the Cowboys. is now six. Cowboys favored by six now? Yeah. Okay, so Cowboys are favored by six. Um, Harry, in his head, still thinks the Eagles are a better team. He's not gotcha. really weighing the fact that Jalen Hurts is hurt. So uh, he went with the Eagles in this one. But this was supposed to be the game of the week, and now for the second straight time, we have a backup quarterback starting in this game. It was Cooper Rush yeah. in the first matchup. So we're not really going to completely understand the Eagles-Cowboys dynamic here after this week. But the backup quarterback is Gardner Minshew, which means it's fun. Oh, it is fun. Yeah. He's very good. Um, <clears throat> so how do you feel – Look, we've discussed a little bit about Hurts, MVP, and this and that. What, where's the nuance here between the fact that there's a good supporting cast in Philadelphia, very true, and then the fact that Jalen Hurts is a huge part of how they play because of his rushing ability and what that opens up for the rest of the offense. So it's not as 
it's not as clear cut as well Gardner Minshew stepping into a great situation therefore he'll be great it's both right like it's a great situation offensive line two awesome receivers and AJ Brown and Devontae Smith looks like Dallas Goddard's going to be back that's outstanding Philly's not going to have the QB run game are they still going to double cheek push it was that a Jalen Hurts special or does does Gardner have his cheeks pushed I mean look it's it's uh, it's a learning opportunity for all of us you know we get to find out how much Jalen Hurts was driving this offense and how much his rushing threat enables him to do all the stuff that they're doing and lets the offensive line look like the best in the league, lets the receivers cook, all those kinds of things, and how much of it was Jalen Hurts benefiting from that stuff. Um, because with, that, with Gardner Minshew in there, presumably most of the design quarterback run game stuff is immediately off the table. I would say, what the hell, Gardner Minshew's Gardner Minshew's got some cheeks to push as well. You can drive him forward for a first down just as well as you can drive Jalen Hurts. Just pick him up. Right. Just, take him. I mean, the, the whole, the power in the double cheek push is the push, not the cheeks. That's, that's my argument. So keep doing it. Keep doing it until they show they can stop it. Just glad that we're really embracing what was happening on those plays. Um, the other time, the other, th- so the one thing I would slightly disagree with is that we're going to like, learn about Hertz in this like think about this if you're telling me that Hertz's value is dependent on the quality of his backup quarterback and I will say I think Gardner Minshew is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league right top five top eight top ten I have to stack them all up but he's good right he's, he should be a good backup quarterback but Jalen Hurts' value is not at the mercy of his backup right because if his backup was Curtis Painter it's probably not going to go well if his backup is Nick Foles, I mean, does that diminish the value of the starter? No, it doesn't. So, first off, I don't think it matters there. But Minshew, in his career as a starter for the Jaguars, I was impressed with the fact that he didn't have a great supporting cast. And he still was pretty good as a sixth-round rookie. So, Minshew, you talk about, like, is Gardner is, is Gardner Minshew any different than Brock Purdy? Other than Purdy's been dropped into this 49ers situation. <clears throat> You could argue that Minshew's, at Minshew as a sixth-round rookie starter was more impressive than Purdy because he was working with a below-average supporting cast in Jacksonville a few years ago. I mean, Minshew's career grade is somewhere between this season's grade for Daniel Jones and Kenny Pickett. If you get that kind of play from Gardner Minshew, given the supporting cast that the Eagles have, they should still be a very, very good offensive football team. Yes. Now, it's complicated by the fact that Dallas has the best pass rush in the NFL, so... If ever there's a team to test the best offensive line in the league, it's Dallas. Like, they can actually – for example, I think, you know, uh, Jordan Mailata, a guy that we love here, very good left tackle, Jordan Mailata is still overmatched by Michael Parsons. Now, Lane Johnson might not be on the other side, but Michael Parsons can still get joy against a guy like Jordan Mailata and cause problems. Yeah, Eagles have the top pass-blocking grade in the NFL. So, yes, the supporting cast is there. Minshew is a solid – Um, He doesn't have a good arm, but he's solid throwing the ball 10-plus yards down the field. That was his thing in Jacksonville. What he always needed to avoid, though, was was just the bad turnover-worthy plays. They were often fumbles, right? Minshew was a pretty good decision-maker as far as throwing the football goes. The ones where you always were left scratching your head was when he's holding the ball too long, trying to do too much. And if he's been watching Jalen Hurts too too closely and tries to replicate some of his running, I'm not saying he can't pick up eight yards on a scramble or whatever – but Minshew's got to play within structure uh, a little bit, uh, certainly more than Hertz would. 
play within structure, make your throws, take care of the ball. And I, I do think the Eagles will be okay. Um, Eagles have the, just probably the best all-around team in the NFL. So we'll see how much that matters. We'll see a little bit about how much Hurts is driving that. But the Eagles pass rush against the Cowboys offensive line with all their reshuffling. Tyron Smith going to be challenged more at right tackle this time. So, yeah, should be should be a fun game in the 4 o'clock window on Christmas Eve, even without even without Jalen Hurts there. Okay. I'm going with the Eagles to cover that. So certainly, I was going with them covering four and a half, certainly six. Yeah, Harry's got them covering <coughs> six as well. Um, just a reminder to everybody that's watching football this weekend, most of the games are on Saturday. Yeah. They're all on Christmas Eve except for, of course, a Thursday night game. we got a full slate on Christmas Eve, and then we've got three games on Sunday throughout the day on Christmas, and then you got a Boxing Day special. Right? Day special. Yeah, Colts and, uh, Colts and Chargers, a little Thursday night football. Uh, yeah. We're going to get to uh, Western Southern prize picks in just a little bit. Just a little heads up. Mm-hmm. It's coming up soon. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals at the New England Patriots. Bengals favored by three and a half here in New England. What are you looking for in this one? So weather-wise, cold game, 22 degrees. Yep. Uh, not a lot of wind, 15 miles an hour and cloudy. So not a huge factor. Unless clear and cold. A, yeah, clear and cold. Not a big, uh, not a big fan of the cold impacting games. I don't think it does too much. Um, so question for me is, New England's offense is starting to resemble Tampa Bay's in terms of it should be better like the pieces are there for this offense to be a lot better than it is but they can't get out of their own way consistently it's it's not well coached i mean you know it's the elephant in the room here is like it, it really isn't um the bengals are a very well coached defense so if the patriots can't get out of their own way on offense I, it's another one of those games where i don't know that they can hang with what the bengals should be able to bring to the table yeah, and if, there's a, if there is a strength for the Bengals' defense, we've mentioned a bunch, uh, Lou Anarumo and what he's done, they, they adjust to offenses, right? I mean, and with New England, there's less adjusting to do. Uh, last week, Tampa Bay decided to run play action, run a little bit more motion than they usually do. And then the Bengals adjusted in the second half. And, you know, the Bucs also just turned the ball over unprompted. But um, the Bengals do a great job of scheming it up game to game very Belichickian how they've played these last couple of years in Cincinnati defensively um in the in the AFC I think we've we've very clearly seen we now our top three graded quarterbacks are now Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen and Joe Burrow right after all the season and all the throws and the ebbs and flows it's like that feels like the right top three doesn't it right when you're listing the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now doesn't it feel like those guys there are top three graded guys. Burrow's uh, he's hot right now. Um, I think it's going to be tough for the Patriots. The Patriots' la- remaining stretch here to get into the playoffs have to win at least two of these games. Bengals, Bills, yeah, Dolphins, then Bills. Right, So three, three teams are currently in the playoff picture. Bengals have the number one seed still at stake. They would need the Chiefs to lose, and, the, and they'd have to beat the Bills. So uh, if the Bengals win out, they could very much – you know, be in play for that buy, which we know is huge because there's only one every single year. Um, one other thing to look out for, Jamar Chase, Patriots going up against another of those alpha number one receivers. We've seen them against Justin Jefferson. We've seen them against DeAndre Hopkins. Now they have Jamar Chase. So 
Belichick against another top receiver. They haven't had a ton of success slowing them down so far this season. Yeah, they really don't have, I think, the capacity on defense to do to handle those guys the way they used to. Like they just don't have the horses to run the kind of defenses that they used to run against elite number one wide receivers. So they're having to just kind of <laughs> just play defense against them. It just doesn't work as well, even though like they've got a pretty good pass rush. They've got a pretty good group up front there. I think number three in pressure rate, um, the trio of Judon, Uche, and uh, Dietrich Wise, those guys got like 150 pressures between the three of them. Like they are a problem up front, but they're still being exploited on the back end. Yeah, I will say in this game, I do think uh, the Bengals' run game will matter a little bit here. They were they ended up being pretty one-dimensional last week, but the Bucks didn't have a ton of answers on the defensive side. The, the Patriots are one of those teams. If, if they do make you one-dimensional, if they do take away the run game, they have some success from a pass game perspective. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. Looks like Hayden Hurst should be back for the Bengals at tight end. And then, again, for New England, just are they going to adjust? Are they going to do anything offensively? Um, when they threw the ball down the field last last week, it was just a whole bunch of just misses. You know, uh, yeah. um, for... Hunter Henry drop, Nelson Aguilar couldn't stay in bounds. There are plays to be made down the field for the Patriots, and they have to make all of them in this game against the Bengals. For the Bengals, Trey Hendrickson, Hurst, Taylor Britt, and Mike Hilton are all back at practice. So they might be getting an awful lot of injury reinforcements back in the fold. Yeah, that could be pretty helpful here. So... <clears throat> Where are you going in this one? Uh, I think the Bengals will cover even three and a half. I think they're just better, reasonably. If you're just tuning in, my son Harry's making all my picks. It's not mm -hmm. Steve's picks. It's Harry's picks. Harry's seven, and uh, he's going with the Bengals here. He's a hometown guy. Mm -hmm. He said, of course the Bengals are better. I'm trying to explain, well, they have to win by at least four Doesn't for you matter. to win. The he said, no, I'm taking the Bengals' dad. Yeah. So uh, he's, a, he's a Cincy guy. So we're both taking the Bengals here. PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, what else we have for a game of the week here? New York Giants at the Minnesota Vikings. Battle of the overachievers? Yeah, sure. 11-3 Vikings going up against the Giants. This is a potential... This could be a first-round playoff matchup, right? Uh, Vikings are two, and the Giants are seven. Yeah, We could get this in the playoffs. Sure. In Minnesota, in the same spot in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, that was one thing I wanted to highlight really quick about Eagles-Cowboys, just to go back for a second. It, as of right now, it looks like Dallas is locked into that number five spot. Eagles are probably going to be number one. Yep. If there are no upsets, other than Dallas, if you depends on how you call it an upset or not. If Dallas beats Tampa Bay, likely Tampa Bay in round one, the most likely second round matchup is Dallas at Philadelphia. So seeing those two, it might be the first time we see those two teams with you know their starting quarterbacks, and it could be round two of the playoffs. But that you know should be a great matchup if we get there. <laughs> Dallas getting bounced by Tampa Bay would be high level comedy. It really yeah. would. You watch. There's going to be buzz for Tampa Bay if, when they get through Trace McSorley, Sam mm -hmm. Darnold, and Desmond Ritter <laughs> they've the also, next three weeks. They've also got a really good record against Dallas recently. They have, yeah. They beat Dallas this season. Yeah. Ages and, ago. And last season. season. And last season. So Giants at Vikings. Let's not hijack the uh, mm. analysis here. How do you even analyze these teams? 
because a lot of the, you know, the the fundamentals, the underlying metrics on these teams, you know, you throw them out the window because sometimes it's 33 nothing and you win 39-36 yeah. through the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, so the first half of that game, as we talked about, was just crazy, though. Like, it was, it was madness and it didn't make any sense. The second half made sense, but it was – like obviously highly unusual because it's, it came from a starting point of a 33-point deficit. So, yeah, Minnesota's offense got a ton done. Their play calling was great. The scheme was great. The Colts' defense, I don't know what they were doing. Like, they were playing incredibly soft. They also had, like, three or four coverage busts. I, You know, so the whole thing was kind of weird. I, you, know, you can't throw it out because it's relevant. Um, but it's a weird game to try and influence what you think of the team going forward. Um, like, to me... The question for Minnesota is still obviously their defense. Um, one hugely relevant part of the game last week that isn't really being talked about is their defense actually got stops. Like, you know, you, the, the biggest reason that a 33-point comeback was incredibly improbable based off previous, previous evidence of the Vikings is there's no way their defense can get enough stops for that to work. You know, they were giving up. 450 plus yards to every team for like five straight weeks you're like well how i mean even if the offense can get five touchdowns like how can the defense stop them enough for it to be relevant but it, they did it was even in a game where they gave up 36 we know again that wasn't because of the defense it was right. weird the defense stuff. didn't give up 36 the team did right it was their best coverage grade as a team since week one hmm. with the packers and again week one feels like ages ago but they held the packers to seven and at the time you're thinking Okay, Ed Donatel, pretty sweet little new defense you got. You know, some more of these odd front type of looks, and you're mixing it up with your pass rushers, and you're making life difficult for opposing quarterbacks. There's a Christian Watson drop in there too that would have made it 14, but whatever. But week one, it was like, hey, maybe this, maybe the Eagles, I mean, maybe the Vikings have figured something out defensively here. Then they get smashed by the Eagles in week two. Um, and it's been much of the same until last week when they had the second-best coverage grade since week one. So um, I don't know what you make of that other than I do think the Giants will have some level of a success moving the ball, even with, uh, you know, Richie James being their most important receiver at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, can, can Minnesota's defense do any kind of job against Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, what the Giants bring to the table? Um, because if they can, you know, they should win the game pretty comfortably. Like, they have a good offense. We saw last week. They're capable of doing some pretty crazy things. They're, they're really their only mistakes on offense were Jalen Rager, who has <laughs> obviously already crapped out of Philadelphia, was making a couple of plays here or there for the Vikings. You know, they dialed up a, a Jalen Rager play for whatever reason during the season. And then last week just had an absolute nightmare, like did – a couple of kind of cardinal sin type of receiver plays. The first one wasn't that bad. Like it's a, I think it's a miscommunication that's on him rather than a glaring. You can't do you just that. Have to, like, you just but the have second to one, know. yeah, the second one you stopped your route. I mean, that, second that's why it's inexcusable. That's, isn't that why wide receiver evaluation is so difficult? Because Rager's like a freak athlete, yeah, who played with a bad quarter, quarterback situation in TCU and made explosive plays. You just don't know when the receiver is going to like run a five-yard stick route and not sit there, you know, not understand leverage and sit in there or stop his crossing route and when Cousins is throwing it to him. Just stopped. There was no adjustment on the crossing route. He just stopped. Like, why do you stop? Yeah, the second one, it's, that's one of those things that you can't ever do as a receiver. You know you can't ever do that. There's just – there's literally no excuse for that other than 
oh, I think he's got it covered, so I'm just going to give up. Like that, you just can't do that to to a quarterback or your offense. So that's the kind of play that would make me think Jalen Rager doesn't get back on the field again. And if that's the case, like that's your biggest flaw on offense. It's not even going to be playing. So the Vikings probably get better from taking like the biggest risk factor out of the offense, at which point, you know, you've got Minnesota's, um, or sorry, the, the New York Giants blitz happy defense. It's an unusual defense to be going up against just because they're so aggressive. But I mean, the Vikings have a huge advantage there. For more Vikings discussion, go to yesterday's show. We broke down Cousins' game and his grade and all that fun stuff. Um, in this particular game, Vikings have the number two run defense grade in the NFL. If they can slow down the Giants' rushing attack, make them one-dimensional as well. They're also number two in run blocking grade, I think. What's that? They're also number two in run blocking grade, I think. Yeah, it's very uh, it's very Rams-like. I mean, that's how the Rams have kind of been these last couple of years, right? They're pretty good up front and... You know, better up front the same way Sean McVay came in and turned the Rams around offensive line-wise. We've seen Kevin O'Connell do that maybe here in Minnesota. So um, if the Vikings force the Giants to pass, the Vikings do have a decent enough pass rush against you know the Giants' offensive line, which, again, inconsistent. Kind of like the Vikings, the way they are, uh, they're trending on that side of the ball now. Cousins has been very inconsistent against the Blitz in his career. He seems to kind of bounce between being not great and being very, very good. Um, twenty, like twenty last season, he had a grade of ninety against the Blitz with twelve touchdowns and no interceptions. <laughs> That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, this year, his grade is fifty uh, with six touchdowns and two interceptions and a passer rating that's like forty points lower. But it's generally a noisy stat. It is, and I, I th- it, like I said, it's it. That's not just those two years. You keep going, and it's the same kind of bounce around. Um, But what I think I was most impressed by Cousins in that comeback is I think he's getting a much greater command of this offense than we saw from him earlier in the year, which makes sense, right? Like it's not, you know, you don't pick up any offense just overnight unless you're Baker Mayfield. Um, But Cousins seems to have the answers automatically now. Like the you can see the reaction time is almost nil. He just knows where to go with the ball when he's faced with certain situations or certain looks or certain pressures. Um, there was a JT O'Sullivan, the was he quarterback school or QB, whatever. He had a, break, a video breakdown of Cousins' game. Um, and, you know, we differ a little bit on interpretations of certain plays here or there, but he was talking um, about an incompletion that Cousins had late in the game, where he threw it, you know, with incredible anticipation. And you know, I, I don't, I don't think it was quite a, quite as good a play as as JT was trying to make out, but. My point would be that with a guy coming right up the middle, you know, about to drill him, which gave pass interference, by the way, or not uh, roughing the passer, which was a big play for them. But with a guy bringing pressure right up the middle, he understood exactly where to go with the ball, right down to the fact that he has to adjust the window he's aiming at, right? Like, I have to go one window to the left because he's not going to make it to the first window. So that well um, this is all a long way around to saying that i think cousins might actually be able to have a better game against the blitz against wink martindale's blitz happy defense than you would typically expect throw throw the blitz stats out the window i mean that's one thing i need to look into is how quarterbacks perform in against the blitz in a new system because half of that is just knowing where you knowing where to go but your receivers are in a new system as well them knowing where to go presumably it's going to take some time there and then at some point, you get more comfortable with it. So, um, Harry's taking the Vikings in this one to cover the four. Yeah, uh, so am I. 
I don't. I seem to be agreeing with a seven-year-old a lot. Probably says a lot for my picks. You and Harry just in lockstep through the first four here. Yeah. You would never do that with me. Well, no, for good reason. <clears throat> Washington Commanders at the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are favored by seven here. Looking at this run, run game-wise, Niners have the number three run defense grade. Now, they're one of those teams that's good against the run and then often in the lead and forcing teams to throw a lot. So they don't face the run a ton in San Francisco. But this is kind of strength against strength, right? It's like how Washington wants to play and just keep running Brian Robinson up the middle and the whole deal. And if that doesn't work, you, it's another uh, one-dimensional. One-dimensional offense in Washington. And Heineke throwing the ball up against this Niners defense, I think bad stuff could happen. <laughs> it didn't – I mean, it didn't really last week. He still kept getting away with it, but then the officials screwed him at the end, you know? He still got away with the throw he threw – you know, the pass he threw right to a guy's – a defender's hands in the end zone. Yeah. But then officials stepped in and said, no, not today, Taylor. Karma is, in fact, going to get you. It's just going to be a different way. Uh, we're going to step in and do the job. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe Taylor Heineke is just blessed this year. I am more fascinated by the other side of the ball, though. Like, can Washington's defensive line, which is still really good. Remember, they've been without Chase Young all year. Um, uh, they're still getting an incredible amount of pressure uh sweat is having a career year they can still get heat against a 49ers offensive line which is good but not trent williams is great everybody else is like you know fine so can they actually do anything to cause brock purdy some problems yeah i mean was there um i only saw the quotes from uh ron rivera and he was basically like yeah we're gonna we're gonna stick with taylor heineke was that just a clean answer or are they are people pushing for Carson Wentz to come back now? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see it. Yeah, I'm curious if that if that's the case. I, I just I like the way the Niners are playing right now. Um, you're going to need the you know Jonathan Allen. I think he made the Pro Bowl, whatever it was. I mean Jonathan Allen up front, the defensive front for Washington has to dominate. Um, are you? How worried are you about Brock Purdy any given week? Just looking like a seventh round pick. I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm more worried about it's like it's exactly like Jimmy Garoppolo, which is a guy like that is capable of executing the offense. They're going to put up production because Kyle Shanahan is a wizard. Um, but Jimmy G was always prone to a couple of turnover worthy plays here or there. Now, actually, this year he hasn't really had them before he went down. But generally in Jimmy G's career, they would every now and again, you would get the why did you just throw the ball to the linebacker? You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you do that and you're not like coming out here with a ton of value add on top of what the offense is giving you, it's problematic. I think Purdy, because for different reasons, because he's the seventh round rookie, is prone to the same thing. And so far it hasn't hurt. Like remember last week against Seattle, he threw the ball right to Quandre Diggs. Just never saw the backside safety, fired the ball over the middle, right in Diggs' hands. There's room in front of him. Maybe that's a pick six, although he'd have had to do some work, or maybe it's just a big play before the half. Doesn't happen, right? Now, if that gets caught, it's potentially a, a different game. It's a different dynamic. Like, those are the plays that I worry about with Brock Purdy. It's not, is he going to turn into a pumpkin completely and just become terrible? It's, what if one or two of those happen in a game and they get punished for them? Kind of the Taylor Heineke thing as well. Like, guys that are, are just prone that much to a really bad decision or a bad, 
didn't see a guy or whatever, those get concerning if you're not able to offset it with like a ton of big plays. Yeah, I mean, I know <clears throat> Purdy's PFF grade is, is 66.9. It's it's hurt a little bit by his uh, relief appearance early in the season, but probably you're talking like a low 70s grade as a starter, and the offense has been humming and cooking, right? That's that's Shanahan. That's Shanahan and uh, McCaffrey and all their playmakers and all that. So that's why I just worry. Um, not that it's going to look exactly like Garoppolo, but if you do get three or four turnover-worthy plays in a game, that's that's your opportunity if you're the commanders, I think, to uh, to pull the upset here. But Niners have the number one defense in our power rankings. I think that's going to be too much for Washington. Um, doesn't matter what I believe, though. Harry's taken – the 49ers, because I think he's going to take most of the favorites from here on out. Taking the 49ers to cover the seven. Yeah, seven's a lot of points. I don't like it, but I think I'm going to take the 49ers as well. All right. I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, Sam. This has been your thing here. How does it work? You pick two to five players, and you select if they're going to score more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry you want to go through a little bit of prize picks yeah i mean i love this way of playing dfs they've got pretty much any league any sport you can think of and they're adding more all the time you go through the nfl ones that we do you pick your favorite uh guys that are getting it more or less than the projections you build yourself a little entry and what i love the most about it is you don't even necessarily need to get it 100 percent right that one screw up isn't going to blow away your entry as long as you uh, choose the right method of entry. You can still get a, a, a win, even if uh, one guy lets you down. All right, there's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You get safe and fast withdrawals. And it's currently operational in over 30 states plus Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code PFF1. That's PFF1. You deposit $100, you give, we, they'll give you $100. Deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code PFF1 at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100, right? PFF1. Right into the chat so everybody sees it. Prize picks, PFF1 is your promo. Seattle Seahawks at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs favored by 10 here against the Seahawks. I think they've got some cold weather as well. The whole Midwest getting that cold weather coming into Kansas City. We'll see if that means anything. But uh, can Seattle hang tough and potentially pull an upset here? We got 14 degrees Fahrenheit, 14 mile an hour winds and cloudy. So another cold, very cold, uh, oh, the, but, but clear. The... Uh, the PFF Green Line weather, I meant to mention this, for the Washington-San Francisco game mm -hmm. in Santa Clara. Right. 63 degrees Fahrenheit yeah. with broken clouds. Broken clouds. Broken clouds. Scattered cloud. Is that the yeah. same thing? Is broken different from scattered? I think it's different. It's got to be different. It's broken. Does yeah. that just mean there's huge clouds and there's... Gaps. Slices. Little gaps. Broken. Just different to scattered. Dude, what's the difference between mostly sunny and partly cloudy? Isn't some sort of like percentage of sun or something like that? I, I don't know. Is it just a Nor glass? do I care. I got to tell you. I don't. I'll talk to my um, weather friends. Yeah, why don't you find out and then keep the information to yourself? I'm going to tweet at some of my 
weather friends back in Boston. Hmm. Great. See, what, see if I can get some answers here. So, so anyway, what are we looking for in this uh, Chiefs-Seahawks game? Um, I mean, can Geno Smith get a little bit back on track? It's been not a rough couple of weeks for him, but it's been certainly a downturn. Um, also, their offensive line has been a downturn. Like Charles Cross in particular has had a rough couple of weeks um, after a very solid season overall. The Chiefs are a great team to get back on track against because despite investments uh, at edge rusher, they don't really have any still. Certainly none that are, you know, consistent dominant threats. Uh, so that whole sort of dynamic around the, the Seahawks passing attack, I think has a chance to have a reasonable bounce back game. Um, so overall, I, I would, I'm going to look to the other side of the ball because I, I don't think Seattle's defense has a prayer against Kansas City. I don't think they have a chance. They're number 27 in our power rankings. Defensively, they had that one little midseason stretch where they showed signs of life. Um, Seattle struggles against the run. I think, the, the, every. I don't want to say this every single week, but there are games where Kansas City, if they didn't have Mahomes, could probably go out there and you know run for 200, 250 yards if they wanted. They have that type of offensive line with Creed Humphrey leading the way at center and Joe Tooney and Orlando Brown and everybody, Trey Smith. They have such a good offensive line. They could run the ball if they wanted. It's the case it's, that's true again this week against Seattle. Pass-wise, same thing, right? The one matchup that will be interesting is um, where's Ryan Neal ranked right now in our safeties? He was number one as of last week, having a fantastic year. Safety for the, for the Seahawks kind of plays – um, yeah, he's the number one graded safety still. And Neil is a guy that like I'm looking for in the draft every single year, right? You're looking for that tight end eraser type. I always call it the tight end eraser guy. That's got some good size, length, athletic and Ryan Neal. He had a pass breakup against George Kittle last week. He's had, he had a game last year where his job was just kind of cover George Kittle against, uh, against the Niners. Neil's played great beyond just that skill set. He was covering McCaffrey out wide the other day. I'm not saying this is the difference in the game for Seattle or anything because they've still had a bad defense with Neal this year. But it's an interesting matchup if Neal can match up with Travis Kelsey. Now, there's a guy in, for the Chargers, a number three, the player, Sam, mm -hmm. who on paper is the perfect Travis-Kelsey matchup, right? The, and he's had some success against Kelsey, but Kelsey's got success against everybody, right? He, he, he wins in the end. I'm just saying you might be able to have – you know, a couple plays here and there with Neal against Travis Kelsey. You steal a, an interception from Tariq Woolen in this one. Gino gets back on track. That's – I always try to, pay, you know, paint the picture of a potential upset here. That's what would need to happen, I think, in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Seattle's passing attack can put up points if they get rolling. Like, the Chiefs don't really have anyone that can cover DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett consistently if those guys are having good games um you know Geno Smith has shown this year that he can make any throw you need to even in the cold weather uh they I think are getting some running backs back healthy uh so that that's a big step in the right direction as well like they can actually maybe not hang with the Chiefs in a shootout but they can put up some points I mean the I don't know that they're necessarily in with much of a chance of winning the game but when you start talking about well the, the, the spread is giving Kansas City a 10-point head start, that starts to get a bit more interesting. Yeah, I mean, if, if the Texans are keeping it close the way they did last week, it, I mean, you took, I mean it, took, it takes two fumbles in Chiefs territory and the whole thing, right? It takes that type, those types of plays. But 
I agree. Like Seattle's pass game, even if when Geno he does have a high turnover worthy play right now, but Geno Smith, even in those games where he's put the ball in harm's way, he bounces back. He's still able to get the ball down the field and, and make big plays. He had a beautiful back shoulder last week. Like in Geno Smith's worst games this year, there's still a highlight reel, three or four plays where it's like, man, that's that still looks better than what Geno Smith was eight or ten years ago. So um, I think Seattle could keep it close. I would probably. I'd probably pick them maybe to uh, to cover the 10, but Harry wouldn't. No. Harry likes the Chiefs to cover the 10 here uh, in the cold. To, how many games this year have Seattle? So they haven't ever lost by more than 10, right, this season? Oh, no, they did. San oh, there's broken clouds too. in Kansas City as Week well. Week two. Broken clouds. That's yeah. The, that's the game changer for you. 14 degrees broken clouds on Fox for 1 p.m. All right, I'm going to go with Seattle covering 10. You're going with Seattle the first time you've disagreed with Harry. Mm, with a seven-year-old. And honestly, there's a big part of me that's doing it just to disagree with the seven-year-old. Now, you heard me say, I, I, cat's out of the bag, I said I would have taken, if, if it was me, I would have taken Seattle. Yeah. God, that's, that's true. Steve would take Seattle. Let me just write this note good. here. I'm going to get like a uh, Scorgami pick from Harry as well at some point, see if he can hit that. Mm. All right, uh, one of the Sunday games here. Green Bay Packers at the Miami Dolphins. This will be 1 o'clock Christmas Day. Dolphins favored by four. Uh, the Packers finished their season with four out of five games at home. This is their lone road game, last road game of the season. Packers pretty much need to win out. They're 6-8, and eight, and uh, Dolphins hanging on to one of those wild-card spots in the AFC. Yeah, and this is one of the few games of the week that isn't a weather game, 57, because <laughs> it's in Miami. Just Regular, just regular Florida yeah, weather. Florida, although December. Florida's getting cold apparently for Christmas week. Oh, that's it's that's getting down bad. to almost freezing. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, isn't it? Maybe we'll have a white Christmas. Maybe. Um, yeah. So the interesting thing about last week's Miami Buffalo game, as we said, was that Buffalo didn't use the blueprint. The the 49ers, the Chargers, they legitimately showed teams what to do to cause this Miami offense all kinds of problems and force them to do some things they don't want to do. Buffalo looked at it and went, yeah, okay, kudos, but we're just going to run our defense because we like that. Um, and okay, I mean, it, it worked okay, but I think Green Bay's defense is much more likely to adopt the blueprint than it is to just run what they run. Um, so now we're going to get, they're going to ask the questions again of Miami. Like, have you got adjustments for this? If you have adjustments, can Tua make them work? Because as much as he looked amazing in the regular offense that was working, didn't look so great even when there were adjustments on the table uh, against the Chargers. So if this offense from Miami starts to falter again, I, I think there's a shot Green Bay causes some issues. Going to see some Jair Alexander against Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. Those are some good matchups. Um, I don't know if Green Bay adjusts what they do a whole lot. We'll see what happens. But Rasul Douglas, J.R. Alexander on the outside going up against Waddle and Tyreek. They certainly don't adjust, like, you know, to stop the run. But I think in terms of, like, where to position coverage players and what kind of, um, like, bracket coverages and whether you pull up press man and that kind of thing, I think that's the type of thing that they'll be more willing to do. Yeah, the Packers' run defense that has been just gashed for the majority of the second half of the season here. That would be part of my concern. Dolphins ran the ball extremely well against the Bills the other night. I mean, the Packers' run defense, they performed well, decent enough Monday night against the Rams, but you know that's the Rams in their depleted offensive line. They had been wrecked by the Eagles, the Bears, Cowboys, Lions, Bills in recent weeks. 
If the Dolphins want to uh, pick up five yards a pop, I feel like they can do that. But it's still going to come down to Tua making plays, right? Because I don't think the run game's not carrying Miami. They still need those explosives from from their speed guys. Mike Kosicki is an interesting one for Miami. He hasn't been used a ton at tight end. Feels like this weapon that they uh, the um, this happened with Kittle at times, right, in San Francisco, where they weren't scheming it for him. They don't they don't go out of their way to get the ball into their tight end's hands. But it feels like a nice <coughs> bless you. Thank you. When we're talking about adjustments that the Dolphins can make, if teams are doing everything they can to take out Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and you know not give up explosive plays, shouldn't the tight end be able to work the short intermediate part of the field? Yeah, but if they're taking away like the middle of the field, it's not giving Mike Gusecki a lot of room to make anything happen. Like you're very limiting the places where you uh, you're forcing them to throw to. Yeah, but I mean, some of it's just line them up out wide every now and again. You know, make it make teams change the structure of their defense, declare the structure of their defense, right? So I, those are those are the types of adjustments I think we could see more of from the Dolphins going forward. Get get Gasicki involved. Yeah. On the other side, Packers, I keep saying they're finding their groove on offense. They're not scoring 35 a game or anything like that, but it's it does look cleaner, and it looked cleaner the other night against the Rams outside of a, a couple throws by Aaron Rodgers. Romeo Dobbs come, comes back looking pretty good. Christian Watson didn't get into the end zone, but you know, still a, a scary deep threat there for the Packers. Yeah, and Aaron Jones is banged up, by the way. They have some receivers all of a sudden. Not all of a sudden, but like, you know, they – Earlier in the year, they had nothing. Now they've actually got some receiving threat. The The rookies are both starting to get their groove going a little bit. Obviously, Christian Watson has been more successful with the touchdowns. Um, but they can threaten defenses. Um, and they have the kind of pass protection, I think, that can hold up well enough against Miami's pass rush, which is pretty good. Uh, Miami blitzes still a reasonable amount. They still have a pretty deep uh, defensive front they can get pressure on the edge with Jalen Phillips they can get pressure up the middle um with Sealer and, and Christian Watson or uh, Christian Wilkins um so that I think is a, a nice little kind of strength on strength battle but I think Green Bay can hold up enough against that and, and have some joy on offense I like the Packers as underdogs here I don't think uh I don't think Harry does but no he doesn't so- I like Green Bay as well god damn it I don't like I don't like that I'm agreeing with you. You've agreed with – okay. Let's just keep track of that too. Steve would take Green Bay here on Christmas Day. Um, we know how quickly things change in the NFL, but I just want to paint this picture for you. Theoretically, could be Aaron Rodgers' last game with the Packers. Yeah. If, if they lose, get eliminated from playoff contention, Packers could come back, make the decision. Two more games, they get the Vikings and the Lions the last two weeks of the season at home. Do you get a look at – Jordan Love um I I think this is unlikely because uh, Matt LaFleur did say hey Aaron Rodgers is going to start I I think more likely might be if they're eliminated maybe week 17 Love gets one start I'm just saying theoretically this could be it for Rodgers in in Green Bay this is also a huge game by the way for the Dolphins who have gone from looking really good the division was in sight at one point you know they were a real threat and I think they still are to anybody but they're now in the seventh seed in the AFC, only a game ahead of the Patriots who play them next week. Like they, they needed a win from somewhere to, to still stay in this playoff race. Yeah, the struggle with New England is if they would have to if New England upsets Cincinnati and the Dolphins lose to the Packers, what they're tied? Yeah, for that wild card with that spot. That game to play next week. Yeah. 
And they're playing week 16? Next week, yeah. Or week 17, game 16. Yeah, and then, you know, New England plays Buffalo the last week of the season. It's unlikely that Buffalo is going to rest their starters for that. They're not going to have but they also locked up. Or Miami also plays the Jets. Like, the two teams behind them right now by a game, yeah. they play both of them in the last two weeks. Yeah, so it, it is a huge game for the Dolphins and a potential elimination game for the Packers. So this could be one of the games of the week here, Christmas Day at 1 o'clock. Uh, Buffalo Bills at the Chicago Bears. Bills favored by 8.5 here. So uh, what do you look for in this one? Um, I, just a really interesting defense for Justin Fields to go up against. Obviously, Fields right now is one of the most dynamic players in the entire NFL, but he's also a very unusual player because so much of what he's doing is just his absurd athleticism. Like he's still only passing for like 150 yards a game or whatever, and not necessarily tremendously consistently either. Um, Buffalo's defense has generally been one of those defenses that invites the run a little bit. You know, um, they do a pretty good job against the run, but they do allow you to get some success there. Like, how do they handle a guy that's just so like difficult to contain as as Justin Fields? Yeah, I think the Bears could have some success on the ground. Um, I think. Do you think the Bears? Do you think the Bears should stop letting Fields run for the rest of the season? No. I would. I would just do this. Do the thing I said that you don't think that the Eagles did. <laughs> yeah. I I I made the assertion that early in 2021 the Eagles were purposely letting Jalen Hurts throw the ball, being a pass-first team, knowing that they could always run him if they needed to, and then they eventually did and became a better team. And that the, I, I said that the Falcons should do this with Desmond Ritter and develop him as a passer first and, you know, do the zone keep stuff later. At this point in the season, where the Bears are out of it, they're sitting here at 3-11, and 11. what's the point? What's the point? It's the only thing that makes the offense functional. You got to think long term here. You can't get. I mean, if you say even if, they, just, if they win their last three, like what's the difference between going three and fourteen? Well, then why and not just six, bench him? Why not just sit him down? What's the point in him being out there? To get better at the stuff that he's not. You're not going to get at. better when the offense is no longer functional and you're going three and out every every drive. You practice the drop back passing game. When you they work on did other that stuff. earlier in the season, the offense was non-functional. Reps. And we were like, because this reps. offense is killing Justin Fields and everybody else in it. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, why don't we take this incredibly dynamic rushing threat and actually run the ball with him as part of the offense? And now everyone, then everyone was like, the Chicago is finally tapping into what Justin Fields really brings to the table and his strengths. And they're building the offense around him. I don't know why it took a year and a half, but they're finally there. And now you want to say, actually, let's take all of that away again and go back to the steaming pile of crap that wasn't working. You, you're like a politician twisting words and, and painting a, a false picture of what I'm <laughs> describing. I'm describing more reps for the thing that's going to be more important for 2023 and 2024. If Fields gets hurt over the last three games and misses as much, like one practice next season that feels like a big failure for the bears I mean, their future is dependent on fields we already know what he can do as a run we already know it and this isn't a tank move this isn't you know people talking to, this isn't about tanking this is literally about the long-term development of justin fields so go let fields develop as a passer work on stuff these last three weeks 
You don't need him running. I mean, it's good for his stats. It's good for breaking records and all that stuff. It's all fun. But he doesn't need to run the ball 15 times a game for the rest of the season. He's already been banged up, what, four different times this season. He's got like four different injuries that have put him on the shelf this year. He's tough. He's played through them. Develop him as a passer. What does that look like, develop him as a passer? You just tell him to You keep the ball a little bit less. You scramble a little bit less. I don't, it might hurt the effectiveness of the offense for three games in 2022 that nobody's going to remember. But for 2023 and beyond, it could be a big win. The That's last, all I'm saying. The last two games, he's scrambled. I'm all about protecting my quarterbacks because I'm going to say the same thing about the Bills. This should be a game, right? Josh, There's plenty of games where Josh Allen's going to have to be Superman. This shouldn't be one of them. This should be a you know Devin Singletary-James Cook game. You guys run the ball, we'll drop back pass, play action and all that stuff. Josh Allen doesn't have to be Superman in this game. This could be his night off, right? Only three or four carries for Josh Allen. When you really need him, that's it. Save him for the big the big games down the stretch here. I mean, the scrambles aren't the thing. Like, the last two games, he's averaged four scrambles per game. This season, it's a little yeah, bit it's over the play, four. it's the design run game. Right, play calls. but that's also the only thing that makes the offense work. So if you take yeah, away so work those, on the stuff that you need to get better at offensively. You work on that stuff. Right, but in, by working on that stuff, you stop functioning as an offense and you go three and out every time and you lose by 50. Trust the process. That's not a process. Sure it is. That's just a bad idea. Reps. You know, they say in, in meetings, corporate meetings, they're like, throw things out. There's no, no such thing as a bad idea. There is, and that was one of them. It's a beautiful idea. Play the long game with your quarterback development. It's more important for the Chicago Bears franchise that Fields has a better feel for the pass game than he has right now. Right. <laughs> and part of that's just going to be supporting cast. But I just don't think you achieve that by saying stop doing all the only things that are working in the offense. It doesn't mean stop completely. It just don't run him. Don't let him run fifteen to eighteen times a game. He has he ever hit eighteen times a game? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. Only when you include scrambles, which were designed pass plays. Like, you can't... Yeah, you can make adjustments there, too. They've never called more than 12 designed runs in a game. They've only called more than 10. Right, and if you know he's going to have X number of scrambles, you don't call 12 designed runs. (laughs) And they're not all called. I know they're reads and all that stuff, but you just say, hey, we're going to take out some of the reads. You Mm -hmm. get three in the the game. You 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 have three runs instead of 12. Yes. Play the long game if you're the Bills. I have the Bears. Yeah, it's a great plan. Harry's got the Bills covering the eight and a half here. What do you have? The Bears. Because I don't think they're going to do your your genius game plan. I think they'll actually lean into the super freak, and that makes them very difficult to put away by more than eight. Good reasons. Atlanta Falcons at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens by seven here. Desmond Ritter's second start here for the Falcons. Ravens also, they're in, uh, they're in must-win territory as well. Ravens are now the five seed. They're a game up on the Chargers and the Dolphins at nine and five. Still have to play the Bengals later. So the division, technically, still there for the Ravens to, to get there. But um, looks like they're going to be a wildcard team. They get the top record among wildcards at the moment. Mm. I would like to see, hopefully this game doesn't get away from Atlanta as quickly as the last one did, where all of a sudden Desmond Ritter is put in some like unfavorable game flow situations. Um, and, okay, they didn't. It's not like they abandoned the run game, like, they, but they just, it just meant that on third and 13, they were running instead of passing, you know? It's like, that's, it's just not helpful. So if they can keep this one close early, then maybe we might see a little bit more from Desmond Ritter. I would also see, 
I'd like to see them do the exact opposite of what you just talked about with Justin Fields. Yeah, run Ritter into the ground. Just Not run him. him into the ground, but run him. They had one design carry last week. Um, that design carry, by the way, got 38 yards. But, I, look, he's not Marcus Mariota. He's not as dynamic as a runner. He's not Justin Fields. He's not that dynamic as a runner. He is, however— He get 38 yards on that run. He is, however, dynamic enough that you can Sorry. get some success out of it. Like, you can force the things that a rushing threat a quarterback does in terms of manipulating a defense and the gravity that that has— on everybody else and where they have to line up and where they have to cheat to, it affects the passing game. Like, it makes his life easier if you use him as a rushing threat, albeit, you know, maybe slightly more carefully than you do with Marcus Mariota. As I predicted, I haven't made many good predictions. As I predicted, they weren't going to run him by design as much. Yeah, well, they should. Last week. There's no point in having him in there if you're not going to do that. Sure there is. No. Develop him as a passer. Yeah, he passed for like 90 yards. How'd that go? He needs, he needs more work. Yeah. Obviously. Quite a lot more. My whole point in this, Sam, is if there are levers that you know you can pull to make the pass game easier, you don't have to pull them right now. Like you, you could pull them when it matters. You pull them when in 2023, when the season matters. But the whole point is the only thing that th those levers are the only thing making these guys viable to begin with, which buys them time to develop as a passer. This is literally the time that they should be developing as a passer. But they're not going – they're so far behind as a passer from where they need to be. They're not making that jump unless you pull those levers right. to make their life easier. What's the – you haven't even given me weather on this game. It's a lever, by the way. Levers. Uh, levers. This game, 18 Fahrenheit, 18 miles an hour wind, and cloudy. Oh, man, it looks like the API that we use for uh, weather really leans on broken clouds. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's what Green Line says. 19 degrees, broken clouds here. Maybe broken. It's, maybe it's just a lot of broken cloud around. I'm going to ask uh, Danielle Niles. Perfect. Let's see here. So what's going to happen in the game? Tyler Huntley. But, so Lamar's questionable, unlikely to play. Uh -huh. Tyler Huntley, the backup, shoulder injury. He's also questionable. I believe he's likely to play. So, but he's, he's struggled, though. I mean, the offense has not been as good. I mentioned last week, they weren't as bad as three points might seem. Um, because they were moving the ball, moving the ball. You got a missed field goals in there, and you have failed fourth downs. Um, but the other thing I mentioned, Huntley, you know, hurts their their fourth and short. short. Yeah, you know, he's also their, their entire game. I mean, he's been a lot worse than Lamar this year, and than he was, I think, a year ago. He's also been a lot better than third string. So I really don't want to see that. Um, I. Look, I, I want to see Atlanta do more to help out Desmond Ritter. I think they owe it to him and to themselves. Um, it's also fascinating because so Atlanta has is the most run-heavy team in the NFL. They call run on like 51% of their snaps, something like that. Uh, Baltimore's got a pretty good run defense and usually does. So can they make a dent on that Atlanta run game or are they going to keep trucking away and have it succeed anyway? Again, like game script is so huge for this. If they can at least keep a threat of the pass – uh, early, then I think that makes them more difficult to defend. But if they get put in a hole and Baltimore knows that, okay, when they're going to, it's going to be pointless runs that we don't have to respect, it's just going to get, it's just going to be a rough day on offense for the Falcons. Since the Roquan Smith trade, points against for the Ravens. Ready? Uh huh. 13, 3, 28 against the Jags in their fourth quarter collapse. 9, 14, 
in 13. Mm-hmm. Now, the teams matter. Yes. Saints, Panthers, Jags, who I mentioned, Broncos, Steelers, and Browns. That matters. Uh-huh. But it's still a pretty good stretch. They've stopped the run extremely well um, since the Roquan trade and all that stuff. I do think it's had an effect on the defense. I think it has positively affected them. So yeah, seems like a bad matchup for Atlanta. I'd probably take the Ravens. Seven seems a lot, but uh, Harry will take the Ravens here. I'm going to take Atlanta. All right. I guess I would take – yeah, you're doing a good job finding what I'm going – finding a way to take the opposite of me as much as possible. Detroit Lions at the Carolina Panthers. Lions favored by two and a half. We know every game matters here if you're going to restore the roar and get to the playoffs if you're the Lions. But uh, what are you expecting here? Um – I'm wondering, can Carolina's defensive line show up? They've been kind of average across the board this season. Derek Brown had a run earlier in the year where he looked really, really good and then kind of cooled off, which actually has been a trend. Remember a while ago we were talking about all these young interior defensive linemen were all playing like an all-pro? Almost none of them are anymore. I mean, okay, Quinn and Williams got hurt, so that's not his fault really. But Chris Jones hasn't been the same guy he was early in the year. Jeffrey Simmons got hurt. That slowed him down. Um Almost none of these guys have kept up the pace they were on, weirdly. Um, but Derek Brown, as much as he slowed down a little bit, still has the kind of ability that can wreck shop against an interior for Detroit, which seems like a constant revolving door of guys, all of whom struggle against uh, pass rushers. Um, the edge rushers for Carolina haven't necessarily been particularly good this year, That they've got the ability. We know that from previous play. Like, Can their defense do anything to slow down this? really good Detroit Lions offense just from a playoff perspective right you're a Lions fan you're trying to figure out what am I looking at this week the four teams ahead of the Lions are that are catchable the Giants Commanders and Seahawks Uh, the Giants are eight five and one Commanders are seven six and one the Giants are underdogs against the Vikings the Commanders underdogs against the Niners they're all underdogs Seahawks underdogs against the Chiefs right they're all going up against some of the best teams in the league Lions are going up against the Panthers. There's a good chance this week, depending on how you define good chance, there's a chance this week that the Lions are sitting there at 8-7. and seven. I think they would, they would leapfrog the Commanders and be the number seven seed in the playoff picture just behind the 8-6-1 Giants. That's if those three teams ahead of them all lose per the uh, expectation of the Vegas spread. So that's what's on the line here for the Lions we know that every game matters we know that you know standings this week versus next week don't technically matter a ton but you are a win in three losses away um, from being in there in the playoff picture Mm -hmm. Seattle has the tiebreaker over the Lions as well so you're if you're a Lions fan you're really rooting for losses for the Giants commanders and Seahawks and the Packers of course because you're always rooting for the Packers right but all it would take is the favorite winning every one of those of those relevant games if the favorite wins all four games including Lions Panthers the Lions will officially be the number seven seed in the NFC weather for this game 28 degrees 12 mile an hour winds and clear no cloud clear let's see what the does green line have broken clouds here too that would be some sort of bug if it does oh scattered clouds scattered Right. I need. Can I get some definitions on scattered versus broken clouds? It's obviously you know less. Um. Anyway, the uh, the Lions too have also had the number ten strength of schedule played. I mean, they're just a lot of things trending 
in the right direction here. I'm definitely looking to the trenches, right? The Lions have been uh, mostly good up front, some weaknesses at guard. You mentioned in the interior defensive line for Carolina and what they can do. Sam Darnold in three games on pace for his best season. But now he's done. He's had his three. He's <laughs> had his three. Uh, he didn't win last week, so he's no longer undefeated in the first three games of his of his season. Yeah, in the last two years. Yeah, but 74 passing grade. He's got a, you know he, he's had three game stretches like this before, but he's making a few more big time throws. To me, it comes down to Darnold and Goff, and can the Lions get it? Darnold only has one turnover worthy play in three games. Um, tiny sample sizes, only 66 attempts, but if he reverts back into you know some poor decision making, Lions take advantage. Yeah, I, I, like I the think the other thing is I think Detroit's defense is starting to play better as well. Um, Aiden Hutchinson has been playing a lot better the last couple of weeks. Like all, well, not all of his good games, but like his last few weeks have been an uptick in his play. Um, Alim McNeil, I think, is playing a little bit better consistently. They've gotten some that collection of young guys up front, whether it's edge rushers or interior guys. They're not all consistently playing well, but it's a little bit like what I thought the Jags defensive front would be earlier in the year, which is like in any given week, one of them is going to show up with a couple of big plays here or there. And if a couple of them do it, like it's just stitching together enough of a positive impact on a weekly basis to cause problems. James Houston, um, you know, guy's got five sacks on 11 pressures, but every time they throw him out there for a couple of snaps, he seems to make something happen. Yeah, well said, man. I like it. Um, Detroit trending in the right direction and uh, a fun team, right? We talk about schematically what Ben Johnson's doing, the playmakers that they have there, they're the trenches on both sides. Harry's taking Detroit Same. to cover the two and a half, and you're agreeing as well. All right, New Orleans Saints at the Cleveland Browns. Now here, are you ready for the weather yes, report? Yes, bring it. So Cleveland's favored by two and a half. Bring it with the weather. Seven degrees Fahrenheit. 25 mile an hour winds and snow this is the lowest over under that's been set in the last 14 years 32 and a half now wow see i thought wow did did i see up to 50 mile an hour winds before you know two i mean it's it's up to it's supposed to be gusting to 45 here so yeah up in cleveland it's probably going to be similar the the bills patriots game last year that was what 40 50 mile an hour winds yeah freezing cold yeah to the point where josh allen was throwing knuckleballs through the wind <laughs> and mac jones was <laughs> throwing not even allowed to throw. he was throwing handoffs yeah that was all he was allowed to do it's like he floated one pass if he's five do- yards that caught the jet stream and was yeah. like that's it we're handing it off for the they rest looked, of the game and they were like if he's doing that you are not even yeah. thinking about throwing the ball so are we talking something – and, again, in that game, they ended up – I forget what the final score was. They ended up scoring some level of points because the <laughs> Patriots broke off like a 60-yarder or whatever it was. There were some points scored in that game. There were points scored, right, in a game where the starting quarterback – by the way, I, again, off topic really quick. Mac Jones in his two-year career has won a game in which he threw the ball three times, won a game in which the punt returner returned a punt with no time left to win 10-3, to and then lost a game – which was last week, which was a walk-off lateral. Just just saying, those are interesting wins and losses for Mac Jones' young career. 10-14 to 14 was the outcome of that game. Yeah, so that was well under even this yep. lowest over-under. <laughs> My point is, if you knew that weather was coming to Buffalo, you didn't know that the Patriots weren't going to throw it at all, but you knew that weather was coming to Buffalo, you'd think the over-under would be that low, 
or much lower. This is the lowest we've seen in 10 years, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And there are people who want domes. I know. Miserable I people. Domes. There are people that want to force the Bills to build a dome. It's That's absurd. Like, Josh Allen being outdoors is part of their advantage right now. And they got him locked up for years. I know you don't make a decision just based off your quarterback for the next 10 years, but you probably should. Also, like, teams should it's be allowed fun. to do what they want. It's their stadium. Yeah, nobody don't make it. No domes. I'm anti all domes. Like, should Miami have to be in a dome? I mean, Minnesota should be outdoors. Imagine if Minnesota was outdoors more consistent. Like, they, you know, they were that couple of years. Yeah, the, the T- whatever the Gopher Stadium's called. Yeah. TCB? TCB. I don't know. Something. I mean, yeah, it's, it's an acronym of some kind. Or a, How cold was it? They played Seattle in that playoff game that one year. It was cold. Very cold. Yeah. Something below. Like, you need more of those games. Sure. You need some weather games. Anyway, in this particular game, which yeah. one are we talking about again? Yeah, New Orleans and Cleveland. It's going to come down to the run game. Yeah. It's uh, – they have the same draft class, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara? Or are they a year apart? 2018? No, Kamara's 17 and Chubb's 18. It's – Chubb and Hunt were in the same one, right? Is that right? Yes, that's what it was. That was the that was a loaded class. Uh, Seventeen and eighteen was really loaded for for both classes. Fournette, Cook, McCaffrey. They all all came out back to back years. Anyway, it's a it's a run game game. Feels like a Cleveland advantage to me. Well, so yeah, but Cleveland's run game isn't what it used to be earlier in this they year. They haven't been the same. They the last few weeks, at one sure. point were the number one run blocking unit in the nfl by a pretty big distance i think they slipped to sixth something like that and on the season which is obviously factoring in the time where they were the number one group so they've really dropped off um in terms of how good that run blocking unit is nick chubb hasn't had as much room to work with as he's had i don't know like that what we think of as the strength of that cleveland offense isn't as much as it it was Will they bounce back here against Nolans? Nolans? Are, are the Saints just the most difficult team to figure out in the NFL? Uh, yeah, for me. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, the funny thing is, like, Andy Dalton has actually been playing pretty well and isn't getting the return for it that I think he should be. Um, also, like, how weird is it that Andy Dalton is playing Deshaun Watson and might be the better quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much you look at the net last – 15 games and say that's the statement but maybe i mean they're trend that's that's the way they're playing right now yeah which is relevant the other thing that the saints have here though is Taysom hill right do they tap into the do we go expanded Taysom hill package in this game because say what you want about dalton and his, his grades great and all that stuff this year the offense isn't good as a whole right they have that ability to drop at the wrong time or fumble or pass protection like something's failing all the time so is Taysom Hill because Dalton's been accurate he's he's been really good the wind and the weather negates that a little bit Mm. how much are they going to rely on Taysom Hill try to win that numbers game up front that's where the Saints I think have their their opportunity to have some success yeah I mean their 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 ability to run the ball I think is predicated a lot off Taysom Hill being that power part of the game and he also obviously brings the kind of trick play potential as well yeah I, I that I think is is a potential way that they win and then you got Rashid Shahid mm-hmm. watch out 17 yards per carry and 22 yards per reception he's become what uh, the Browns were hoping Anthony Schwartz would become yeah basically 
He's not. I wouldn't imagine he'll factor much as a deep threat in this game, given the weather. But maybe you give him a, an end around or a you know jet sweep, something like that, to get the speed moving. So do you think it's going to be over? Do you think it's going to go over this uh, this tiny number? Uh, Let's see how much the uh, PFF app is adjusting for the weather versus saying if the over under is that low. App likes the over a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably looking at that number, not adjusting a ton for the weather yet. Loves the over. Over 32.5. Go get the PFF app. Check it out. You get I mean, honestly, It's very easy to use and just see the bets that our data likes the best. I'm going to give this one away for free. It's an A. It's an A bet. Go check out the PFF app. Download it right now. The wind is the only thing that would scare me, and it's low enough. You know, if it's 25, it's low enough that I think you can get some points. Yeah. Again... I don't really think that cold is going to torpedo points. I don't think that light snow is going to torpedo points. The only thing that's going to wreck points is if those 25-mile-an-hour winds become serious gusts and you just can't throw the ball particularly well. Well, the more I'm thinking about it, I said the Browns have the run game advantage, but their run defense still issues, mm-hmm. huge issues. And if the Saints lean on Taysom, I kind of like the Saints running it on them. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Saints as well. Um, Harry has also. He's just finally taking an underdog game. Wait, you're going? Oh, no. Harry's going with the Saints. I've agreed with you at least three times now. You, me, and Harry. All going with the Saints here. Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans by three. Malik Willis getting the start for the Titans. Um, he started the last game against the Texans as well. Only threw the ball, what, like 12 times in that game. But um, the real story here, can Derrick Henry run for more than 200 yards against the Texans for the fifth straight game? <laughs> That's a real stat. <laughs> Are there, there, there's like a lot of really good Hall of Fame running backs that don't have 200, 200-yard games, period. No, he's done it against one team. You know how a lot of times you get that familiarity within the division and it, you, know, you kind of balances things off? It doesn't happen. Derrick Henry just dominates the Jaguars, 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 mm. and the Texans. That's what he does. There are only two running backs that have more than five 200-yard games total. Yeah. Three, if you include Henry. Like two Henry's other got guys. Four in a row here. Adrian Peterson and OJ Simpson are the only running backs that have top 200 more than the number of times Derrick Henry has done it against the Texans. Yeah. That's silly. They're going to stop him this week? Apparently not. How are they so bad at stopping Derrick Henry? It's more. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're not great against they, – they haven't always had this atrocious run defense. They're not good this year in particular. And this, this is another cold-as-hell game. 17 degrees, 11 miles an hour, and cloudy. In Nashville? Yep. Nashville and Charlotte, coldest balls this week. Wow. Cold fronts across the nation here. Very cold. Very cold. I mean, look, even the poor people in Florida are going down to 57 degrees. <laughs> That's rough. I feel for them. <laughs> Send some hand warmers mm. down to Florida. All right. So what are you looking for? Our podcast starts in 10 minutes, according to my phone. Yeah, same. Doesn't know that we started early here today, does well, it? It's probably a Malik Willis-led Titans team, right? It is, yeah. Um, Tannehill's, Tannehill might be out for the season. Right. At the ankle. And that... And Willis started the last time against Houston, but they didn't need him. They didn't need to do anything. Well, they didn't need him, but also I think it actually helps the run game. Like Malik Willis being in there because of what he is as a quarterback right now, I think it actually enhances the threat of Derrick Henry, for which sure. is already problematic for Houston to stop. And they didn't need, they didn't even tap into it a ton in that game. 
it was a lot of just straight up let Henry run the ball. Yeah. Like this ad, this adds an extra dynamic, right? Because again, it's the, it's the gravity of that threat of what he can do. Like you can't forget about it just because Derrick Henry is having a big game and he's the guy you got to stop. That guy assigned to make sure the quarterback doesn't just run around the edge into open space has to honor that because the second he doesn't, it's a 40-yard gain without anybody touching him. So and that, that affects offsets. Derrick Henry's carries every single time. And that offsets what you've highlighted all year is that, hey, the Titans aren't winning up front the way they have yeah. in the past, right? So that helps them. They don't have to win as much. It just kind of you know steals a defender, blocks one person, essentially. Though they them. have now crawled off the bottom of the league in yards before contact per carry on average. Who's worse? Yeah. Bucks? Nope. Steelers? Nope. I don't know. Very relevant to this game. Houston. Yeah. Oh, Houston. Oh, so. <laughs> If you're into uh, bad run blocking, this is the game for you. This is the game. This is the game for you. Um, uh, Danico Autry should be back. Is that right? I don't see him on the injury report. Should be back for the Titans. That's been huge because they have – Autry has just been one of their best pass rushers really the last couple years, and their pass rush has been rough without him. So keep an eye on that as well. Can Houston keep another one close? They have – yeah, since Autry went out weeks ago – and the Titans have not had a pass rush grade above 57. They've been missing some important players. Like yeah. Autry being out, Traylon Burks is a really important receiving threat for them. He's been out with a concussion since he got KO'd on a touchdown catch. Um, like when they don't have him, it's a very different offense as well. Like they've they've been missing some pretty key players, the Titans, in the last couple of weeks. All right. So what is at stake for the Titans here? They have a one game lead over the Jags. They play the Texans this week. Then they have the Cowboys on a short week, Monday night, uh, Thursday night football next week, right? So that's going to be well, somewhat short week because they play Saturday then Thursday, and then they have the Jags last week of the season. If the Titans just go one and one here, it doesn't really matter. They, I mean, they they just can't lose both games basically. If they go one and one or two and zero, oh, and the Jags win their next couple, they're sitting there with a play-in game the last week of the season. The winner wins the AFC South. Um, the Titans, of course, want to win both because it puts a little pressure on the Jags to win both games leading up to that game. And there's still an outside chance that either team could make the playoffs with a wild card, right? The Titans could still kind of make it with a wild card, I believe, if a lot of other things <laughs> fall. But it's pretty much AFC South or bust for both teams. So Titans can't, can't you know, the wins matter here, winning these next couple. We got two more weeks of just like rough permutations every game. Yeah. Oh, it's my favorite thing. Yeah. Here are the 17 different ways that this team can make the playoffs. You just let me know if I'm doing it too much. Okay. I thought I just did. Oh, was that too much? I mean, you know. Who do you got, who you got winning this? Uh, I think Tennessee. Cover. I think because of what Malik Willis – Malik Willis will probably be seen as a big – drag on what Tennessee can do but I actually think in this specific game it enhances how they're going to play and win uh yeah I'll take the take the Titans to win and cover the three oh Harry will at least all right four more games they're all dandies dandies yeah Los Angeles Chargers at the Indianapolis Colts this is your Monday night football game Nick cold Foles. As, cold as balls in Indy as well, but it doesn't matter. They doesn't got a, matter. They got a, what's not even a, is it a dome? Do you have any combine weather? No. Combine's been pretty reasonable the last couple of years. Yeah, we're, we're due a cold one. Yeah. Um, years ago, we had that like single digit yeah. weather that was like, 
Don't ever leave. Is this like is Lucas Oil technically a dome? It's like a shed. It's a shed. You know what I mean? It's like a it's like a shed. It's a big square building. And if it has a roof on it, it's a dome. It looks like a warehouse. With, yeah. With a dome with a with a roof. But a dome is a it's a dome. I mean it's a shape. Like it's a, <sighs> can you have a can you have a, a warehouse shaped dome? Chargers are favored by four and a half at Lucas Oil Shed. Yeah. Lucas Oil Shed. Nick Foles getting the start here for the Colts. Matt Ryan's been benched again. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Ryan. Just the fall guy. Man's been at the receiving end of the largest Super Bowl collapse. Super Bowl Super collapse. Bowl collapse and, and regular, regular season, season collapse. collapse. Yes. And it's been benched twice this season. Yeah. Pretty harsh. Further reiterating the fact that you could pull Nick Foles from your third string. He is the best third string quarterback the NFL's seen in the last 10 years. <laughs> right? He was third string for the Bears sure. last year, two years ago. I mean, I don't quite know why he's third string at all. Like, he's he should clearly, be a backup everywhere else. Yeah, yeah, he's clearly a backup caliber quarterback and actually a very good one. Like, why? Surely there's a team out there that could have been able to give him the primary backup role for more money. He was a starter. Paid, for, paid as a starter a couple of years ago. Yep. As I always like to say, more Nick Foles data points. Yeah. Super Bowl I, champion. I mean, I brought this up in the in the Minnesota conversation earlier, but like, what was Indianapolis's defense doing last week? Losing. Yeah, but not just losing, losing bad, and the, like they had at least three coverage busts where they just dropped coverage on a guy. There was coverage bust. There was the as much as we talked about the Dalvin Cook play a million not, times through the lens of Minnesota, but from Indianapolis, that's horrible tackling. Unbelievable. Everything's bad. bad. Um, yeah. The final play where they threw another tunnel screen, this time to Justin Jefferson. Remember when the guy tackled him and tried to lie on him for like a minute to chew all the clock? If that, that was the defensive end that makes that tackle. If he doesn't make it, that probably scores because yeah. everybody else out in front executed their block. Like Ed Ingram was into the secondary d- destroying the free safety. If that guy didn't reverse course and chase down Jefferson, they'd have scored the touchdown on that play, like a walk-off. Um, so like this, like that's again the, lost in the oh the greatest comeback ever. Kirk Cousins, the Vikings offense, the everything was like what the hell was the Colts defense doing? So now they actually have to show up to a game having done that in the second half. I don't know what the like week film review looks like for that defense, but it can't have been fun. Yeah, I mean I don't even know how you analyze this game too. The last two games we've seen the Colts, they've given up. Over 35, over at least 33 points in one of the halves, right? 33, uh, 33, well, more than that, really. 33 points in the fourth quarter against Dallas alone. And then what was the score? All 39, right? In the second half plus overtime over, yeah. last week. So 36 in the second half last week. How do you even, they're not that bad, right? I mean, you wouldn't have thought so. Maybe no. I've said that about the Colts all season. They're not that bad. They're not as bad as they've shown. Um, Foles might, uh, look. Here's what, here's what Foles brings to the table. When Matt Ryan was under pressure, it felt like there's not a prayer here, mm. right? If he tries to make any kind of move, he doesn't have any agility left. He didn't have any to start with anyway. You know, he's, he's getting sacked or it's an incompletion or it's thrown to the defense, right? Which is also an incompletion. So bad stuff's happening. With Nick Foles. Anything could happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nick Foles is like, oh, you're going to hit me? I'm chucking it. I'm chucking it. I'm chucking it far. It's going to go down the field. It's my guy or your guy. One of those guys is going to have a good chance to catch it. Mm. And that variance 
has always been the beauty of Nick Foles. When variance is, is for him, sometimes you win a Super Bowl. When variance is against him, sometimes you get benched as a starter. I mean, that's, that's where we are with we, the Nick Foles experience. He'll be under pressure with the Colts O-line. I'm sure they've been a little bit better, but there'll be some pressure. We'll see where the Foles experience brings us. Yeah, Nick Foles, when he's under pressure, we are just spinning the wheel of fortune and seeing what comes up. And frankly, that's great to watch. So I'm here for it. Um, the Chargers can clinch a playoff spot for all their ups and downs this year. The Chargers have the number six seed. They're eight and six. If they win, they get to nine wins. They've got the tiebreaker over the Dolphins and the whole thing. The Chargers can uh, win in their reign, I believe scenario wise would you like to hear what nick falls career uh pressure stats look like yes so he came what 23rd when when did he come into 2012 2012 good i got it all so uh under pressure he is 15 touchdowns 19 interceptions all right that is comprised of 31 big time throws and 51 turnover worthy plays which is a turnover worthy play rate of 6.6 percent when he's under pressure uh, Big-time throw rate's pretty high as well, just under 5%, which shakes out to a passer rating under pressure of 63.2, 6.2 yards per attempt, and a completion rate of 48. Now, deselect all the years and just do 2017. Okay. When they uh, – and just do yeah. the playoffs and <laughs> see what happened there. So – It wasn't even – it was like one – so the 2017 playoffs under pressure, he had a pass rating of 122.6 yeah. uh, with, an, with a completion rate of 59, 8.9 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, no picks. Yeah, that was variance in that little in that little stretch. You just never know. Yeah. But again, I always describe like the scouting report on Foles would be like, looks down the gun barrel, you know, will, willing to make plays under pressure. Doesn't always work, but he's willing to make those plays. That run for his Super Bowl is still one of the singular most improbable things that's ever happened in the NFL. And I include, like, the the Patriots losing the game by, like, Jacoby Myers losing his mind and just throwing an interception to Chandler Jones is one of the most improbable things that's ever happened on a football field. This was more insane. Nick Foles turning into Joe Montana for the two biggest games of his life and of the Eagles franchise consecutively and just stomping the Vikings and then taking it to the Patriots is one of the most unlikely things that has ever happened on the planet. It is. It's just is. insane. I just think sometimes we need to say that out loud again oh, yeah, and we need remind to, ourselves. That's what we're watching on Monday Night Football this week. Boxing Day special. Um, Chargers, like I said, a lot on the line here as far as the playoffs go. Got to give Brandon Staley credit. He hasn't always been aggressive on fourth down, but a couple key decisions this year, going for two, a couple fourth downs, have put the Chargers into this position right here. We're rebranding the analytics. So, Harry's got the Chargers covering the, four, covering the four and a half. I'm buying into the Colts bouncing back. I think, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not sure how you, how you react to a game like last week. Like, you know, the largest comeback in NFL history, the largest collapse in NFL history. I think I'm buying into the idea they will bounce back with some kind of aggression and desire to improve with an intensity this week that they didn't have rather than they just sink into the collapse and, you know, fade off into existence. I mean, part of the benefit of having a Jeff Saturday co like players coach is, is supposed to be like, he'll get you to play hard. How do you think intensity. Coach Saturday handled that? I'm sure he was upset. <laughs> 
I mean, like to the team, you know, how did he, what was his game plan for the week? I don't know, just fundamentals. Back to fundamentals. Okay. Probably up-downs. Probably I'm doing up-downs <laughs> all day. You think you're going to collapse, lose like that? Get, get tired in the second. He's probably, probably blamed fatigue. Yeah. And said, we're win, not in shape. Win sprints. Up-downs and sprints. Okay. Right? What would uh, Bear Bryant do? Bear Bryant do. What would Bear Bryant do? Run till you puke. Uh-huh. Oh, Crank up the heat. Yeah. You think we're going to run plays today? No, we're running. Two and a half hours. Turn up the heat. Put the, uh, put the thermostat at 97. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's running sprints. Yeah. Dome game in this weather weekend. Check Monday Night Football. All right. Tampa Bay Bucks at the Arizona Cardinals. This is your night game. Christmas night. Bucks are favored by seven and a half here. Trace McSorley is getting the start for the Arizona Cardinals. That answers the question that you have in the document. God bless us, everyone. How are the... It's quite the Sunday slate here <laughs> because we also have Broncos Rams. Um, but yeah, this is the uh, the night game. Now this is a dome, like a real dome. It's a dome. It's a dome. Dome and grass. Mm. Dome and grass. Real grass. We'll yeah. be there in a few weeks. True. For the uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Tampa Bay being seven and a half point favorites in any game to me is still crazy. I know it's Trace McSorley. I understand that still. Like, Tampa Bay's problem this season has not been the quarterbacks that they're facing. Their problem is they can't execute a play without somebody doing something dumb and taking it off the board. Does that go away just because Trace McSorley is the quarterback? No, the Bucs haven't won a game by more than seven and a half since week two. Their first two games of the year, they right. won 19-3 to and 20-10, to have not won a game by more than six since that point. Yeah. But maybe the Trace McSorley factor does change things a little bit. They're just galvanized by the fact that they're only playing Trace McSorley? Yeah, maybe. Don't worry, guys. This is only like a this is like a preseason game. Just go out there, have fun. The Bucks appeared to have, uh, remember I said, they, they ran an offense, and Tony Romo was marveling at the fact that they could fake the handoff and move defenders and have open receivers, but it all went away in the second half. Um, Brady, I mean, it was really a Brady collapse last week. Mm -hmm. Fumble, A uh, couple fumbles. One where he just didn't get the ball into Leonard Fournette's gut. Like, it just slipped out of his hand. It was just weird stuff. A um, couple interceptions, couple fumbles by Brady. If they don't turn the ball over, though, in this game against Arizona, they should have success again, right? They should be able to move the ball a little bit. They go back to what worked in the first half against the Bengals. Um, the Bucks' defense, um, they had a couple – at least one turnover last week, right? They have not done a good job of that this year. They haven't created any sort of short fields for the offense. I feel like the Bucks defense might be able to get one or two of those from McSorley in this one. From an Arizona perspective, if you're going to pull the upset, tapping into McSorley's rushing ability here and or DeAndre Hopkins just taking over. Brady has 18 turnover-worthy plays all season long, seven of which came in the last two games. Yeah, last two uh, games have been rough. Brady's average time to throw has also been – trending up over the season he started off the year like just getting the ball out of his hands like like late career Roethlisberger right just 2.2 2.1 seconds like gone 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 offsetting whatever problems it would be on the offensive line in three of the last five weeks it's been over 2.5 seconds on average um and the two that it wasn't it was 2.38 and 2.41 he's holding on to the ball longer he and without corresponding success like it's not like we're seeing a greater uptick in downfield passing that's function like they, he's holding on to the ball a bit longer 
He's making more mistakes with the ball. Again, physically, I think Brady still looks fine, but he hasn't played well for a little bit. Yeah, that, that's not trending in the right direction. And, um, you know, again, like Romo, I thought Romo was insightful in what he, he said. You know, Mike Evans looked different last week. There, there were times where Evans wasn't really separating throughout the season. He looked a little bit different. You just never know what you're going to get from the receiving core with the box. Julio Jones was randomly inactive last week. The knee keeps popping back up again. Um, Russell Gage was kind of hit or miss. Chris Godwin as well. If there's a point where all these guys click, yeah. we're running out of time. Right. But if there's a point where they click, first off, it's got to probably happen. It's got to happen in these next three weeks leading into the playoffs here. But um, the real big game for the Bucs is next week against the Panthers. But as bad as it's been for Tampa Bay – they're six and eight. There's a realistic shot that they can go nine and eight here. Still the number against, four seed against the Cardinals, against the Panthers, and against the Falcons over these next three weeks. So at some point they have to try to find some kind of rhythm. See what happens. Carry it into the playoffs against. Like also Dallas. go seven and ten and still host a playoff game. That's also possible as well. Uh, but this is your night game. Arizona, just a rough season all around for them. So I mean that's why it's a bad Arizona team. Trace McSorley's taken over for both Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy. So that's it. Yeah. Arizona's going to have to get turnovers the same way the Bengals did. Um, I just I, – I'm not buying into the Tampa Bay Bucks covering a seven-and-a-half point spread until I see them be functional for more than half. More than half, yeah. yeah. Like, that, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm, That's literally been their season, though. I'm They've, done with the idea of expecting that group to click at some point and suddenly start playing amazing. But if we can just see, like, why did you stop doing the stuff that was working at halftime? Like, can we just see a full game where you're using motion and play action and picking up all the low-hanging fruit that everybody else in the league is doing anyway? Like, just show me that because that makes this offense at least viable going forward. Yeah, and they can't uh, run game-wise, same thing. Just so inconsistent across the board in Tampa Bay. So uh, Harry's taking the Bucks, and you're taking Arizona. Yep. Let's cover the seven and a half. All right, two more games here. Christmas Eve night. There is a night game, Christmas Eve. It's the Las Vegas Raiders at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers favored by two and a half. Rest in peace, uh, Franco Harris. Yeah. They were retiring his jersey this week. Well, he was. This it's the anniversary of the immaculate reception. They had yeah. a whole thing about it. Like they've been advertising whatever i think it's his football life right the his yeah. version of that documentary and the at the anniversary of the that play sad timing here and he he passed away a few days before it yeah unexpectedly like apparently he hadn't you know hadn't been dealing i don't think with anything serious I, his family i think said it was an unexpected loss in the night how yeah. would you react to the immaculate reception if we had the pff nfl podcast back in 72 I mean, it was a pretty crazy play. You'd be like, oh, that's a lock. Steelers are terrible. This will never amount to anything. Eh, I mean, you know, it's a crazy play, but it doesn't mean that they didn't. <laughs> these are the ways games are decided these days. That was like the only touchdown in that game, too. Right. I think. What, or Back whatever. when defenses could, you know, be defenses. Um, so, Steelers are favored by two and a half here. Raiders coming off of their uh, dramatic win. <laughs> dramatic win. Yeah. Uh, Raiders last week, remember, they got up 14, blew the lead because that's what they do, but they, they pulled it off here. They were going to go to overtime, but no, Chandler Jones with the uh, lateral six. They did, did they put a off. name on this thing? Did I they name this heard one. collapse? You have a Miami miracle. Yeah. And uh, whatever that was. What do you even call that? Just the, just, the, the Raiders pulling off the win is not the way you can describe that game. 
It just isn't. The Raiders being gift-wrapped a win by many things. Hey, Chandler Jones earned it. By running over poor Mac Jones? Yeah. Um, we're getting Kenny Pickett back for this game, right? Yeah, Pickett's back from concussion protocol. Mitch Trubisky filled in admirably last Played well. week. Yeah, and as I said, I mean, this is got to develop Kenny Pickett. That's the, that's the goal if you're Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, he should be able to have some success against this Raiders defense. They've been up and down, but should have some plays to be made there via the Steelers. Steelers have done a nice job against the run for the most part. That should be a nice little battle against uh, the Raiders and Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Fantasy playoffs. You got to trust Josh Jacobs here either way. Jacobs having a crazy year. He's got 80 broken tackles on the season, um, which is one of the highest totals we've ever seen. The highest we've ever seen in a single season was Marshawn Lynch, who had 97 back in that crazy year where he just went full beast mode all season. Um, but 80 is one of the highest totals we've seen over a single season in like 16 years of grading. He's having an incredible year. So Using PFF war, I thought uh, going into last week, Jacobs was number one in war. It's actually Christian McCaffrey now after all his carries and touches last week. So Christian McCaffrey just edging out Josh Jacobs as the most valuable running back in the NFL this season. But the Raiders, both guys pretty pretty far ahead of Nick Chubb, who's third. The Raiders' offensive line has had a wild ride this season. They're really getting better as the year's gone on. They started off the season, preseason ranked 29th. They've slipped as low as 30, 31st in week two. And then since that point, they've basically been on a steady climb. Uh, right now they're 12th. So this group that was a disaster early in the year has actually really come together as a unit and particularly um, has run blocked a lot better. So the Raiders' offensive line coming together, I think, is a big part of why certainly Josh Jacobs has been playing better or playing really well this season, but also um, you know, why the whole offense, I think, still has the potential to be good. Just want to highlight Jacobs one more time in war. Him and McCaffrey both have higher PFF wars since 2019, the best we've seen from a running back since Christian McCaffrey back in 2019. It's uh, Christmas Eve night, full disclosure. Kind of happy the NFL did not flex this game. It does feel like the kind of game that might enable people to have some time with the families. Yeah. So I'll be, uh, you know, little family time, little uh, Santa time, doing Santa stuff. It'll be on. It'll be on. It'll be what? But like, but how much attention you're paying to it? Yeah. Might not be, you know, yeah, huge. Chris doing this game? Is he working this game? I don't know. I'm sure he is. There's a lot of uh, extra games this week. I'm sure he's doing it. Anyway, two and a half. Steelers, favored. What are you thinking? Hmm. Harry's taking the Raiders, by the way. Uh, weather, dogs. eight degrees Fahrenheit, 16 miles an hour winds, cloudy. So cold as balls again. Full clouds or broken clouds? Just cloudy is what it says. I'm not the, – the, the app doesn't – get into how broken or scattered the clouding is just that it's clouding you're um, on the app huh yeah nice. app has weather as well as the lines and the grades for the bets um this I, is another one over unders down to 38 and a half yeah very low keep an eye on it um hmm i mean where to go in this game i will go with just have to pick one of them yeah let's go with the steelers to cover two and a half okay so that's your Christmas Eve night game. Last game of the week to discuss here. It's Sunday afternoon, Christmas Day, the middle of the day. This is like your 
like where the NBA likes to have their big games right in the middle of the day. Mm. This looked great. Schedule makers were high five. Right, just the what this game must have looked like when the schedule was done versus what it actually is now. Denver Broncos at the, the Los Denver Angeles Rams. Broncos with Russell Wilson. They finally have a quarterback to be added to one of the best rosters in the league. This is a Super Bowl contender. Down to the last couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at one of the number one, two, or three seeds in the AFC. Going up against the defending champion Super Bowl Rams, looking to repeat. Top, you know, whatever seed in the NFC. We've got playoff contender versus playoff contender. This could be a Super Bowl preview right here. Instead, what we have is, what, Brett Rippon against Baker Mayfield, who gets worse the more— No, Russ is back. Russ is oh, back. Russ is back? Yeah. Okay. So we got Russ and the hapless Denver offense against Baker Mayfield, who gets progressively worse the more he understands of the playbook. Maybe they rip pages out this week. <laughs> <laughs> or just give them a new offense. They just pull out a sheet of paper. Yeah. There you go. We'll, we'll figure it out on the fly. Uh, the the Broncos are favored by two and a half. The this is really a game between the Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks because uh, both of those teams, the Lions, of course, have the Rams' first round pick, and the Seahawks have the Broncos' first round pick, and is a battle for draft position right now. So that's what's at stake. The teams, the fan bases, the fan bases that are going to be most interested are in Detroit and Seattle because right now. Denver's locked in at the three pick. That's Seattle's. And the Rams are at four. That's Detroit's. Both teams are four and ten. So this is going to be huge. I mean, this this game could literally determine whether or not the Seahawks or the Lions have the choice of QB2 in the entire draft. Mm -hmm. That's how big this Christmas Day matchup is. Between the Rams and the Broncos, it's going to determine whether the Seahawks or Lions have their choice of quarterback if they want them. Yeah. Um, I I also think as much as the Denver thing has been absolutely miserable this season, just an abject disaster, it, it was starting to tick in the right direction with Russell Wilson before he got concussed. Um, I, you know, I wonder if we're going to see a little bit of an improvement in the last couple of weeks. Okay, it's, it's irrelevant, essentially, for this year. But maybe it starts to show people some signs that it could actually function in the next couple of years when they're still stuck with Russell Wilson. Um, so, you know, as much as, like, it's almost like a team with a really young quarterback that's just sort of throwing him out there for the last few weeks. It's like, can we see signs of life so that in the future we still believe that there's something to be had here? Denver is in the same spot, only it's Russell Wilson and his $250 million contract and, you know, a team that was supposed to be a contender. It's a weird place to be. But that's kind of what they're reduced to at this point is can we just see development from this offense? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. There should be – there have been some signs of life in Denver, at least from Russ when he was – before he got concussed. He's playing a little bit better. I like Denver here. I mean, their, their defense against the Rams offense could be quite the mismatch here. That's just the reality of it. Baker yeah. Mayfield did not look good Monday night. He pretty much just has that one – ridiculous comeback right those two drives it's a lot like the way the I mean it's just how much do you make of those two those two right. drives right um if you take those out it's been pretty bad for the Rams offense much like it was before with their backup with Bryce Perkins or you know whoever else they had out there so John Wolford I would take Denver Harry's taking Denver 
Yeah. You're yeah. taking Denver. I just think, yeah, it's, there's, there's too many ways where they should be better than the Rams in this game. Now, the one thing that could – we're going to get Aaron Donald back as well. He's been missing for a while. Um, anytime he's back in the lineup, it alters things, even if weirdly the supporting cast has been better when he hasn't been playing. Did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Okay, so he might still be out, in which case definitely Denver. Yeah, I mean, are we, look, are we also looking at is Donald going to tease retirement again? Go out on a – on a low instead of a high is McVay going to be going? We, we could be looking at the last few weeks of what, you know, yeah, this current iteration of the Rams, right? It's got to be like, again, I, I, there aren't too many players. I think that want to go out on this kind of season. Now, some of them have it enforced upon them and there's not really much of an option, but for Donald, I can't imagine Donald would want to go out like this first real injury injury of his career. Team was a disaster. Like, he didn't have a personally great season either. I just, that's not how I'd want to stop my career if I was Aaron Donald. Yeah, I agree. But just giving somebody, people something to watch. Maybe you're watching if Donald does play. Who knows? So uh, that's it. We're both taking Denver here. See how Harry does with his picks. Um, we did get word in the chat. I don't know if this is official or not, but they apparently the name of that Raiders-Patriots play was Lateral Damage. I've seen that suggested. Seen there was another damage. one as well. I got, somebody was casting around for like trying to name it, and that was yeah. one of the options they presented. I like lateral damage. It's all right. It's good. I didn't love it. You didn't? No. It's fine. It's just the know. play on collateral. It's no yeah. immaculate reception. It's not an immaculate reception. No. Shout out to Franco Harris for the immaculate reception, which was awesome back in 72. All right. Is that it for the show? I believe so. I think that's it. Mm. We appreciate everybody. Merry Christmas to everybody. Enjoy the the weekend. And um, we're not changing anything. So here's the deal. Most of the games are going to be on Saturday, the 24th. We're still going to be showing up Monday morning, right? So we have a little extra time to review the, uh, the slew of games on Saturday. So we're not going to do a Christmas morning show the day after most of the games. We're going to do it Monday morning, same time, same YouTube, 7 a.m. right here on the PFF youtube channel sound good mm -hmm. all right merry christmas happy holidays happy everything to everybody <laughs> we'll see you guys monday morning enjoy the football this weekend